Still in Romans uh, chapter 13 today. I'm going to be very, very popular after this lesson because I'm going to talk to you about government and taxes. So uh, you can you can notice that I put a visual aid on the whiteboard over there, and I want everybody to take a little a moment and look at that. I've written it in the Southern vernacular for us. Yeah, but dot dot dot, uh, and then I've got all those little topics surrounding it. Biden, Trump, <coughs> health care, gun laws, uh, special interest groups, uh, and the list goes on and on and on. I've written that for a reason. The worst thing we can do is read the passage that we're about to read and then get it in our minds. Well, yeah, but that's not how you should read the Bible. You should read the Bible and say, yes, I'll obey it. And yes, I'll, I'll adhere to it. And we're going to read some things that are be contradictory because of the nation that we're in, because of the situations that we're in for one reason or another. But I don't want you to say, yeah, but, and make an excuse. I want you to read this, and I want you to think biblically. Okay? And, and bear with me as we go through this. Because it doesn't mean that I agree with everything that goes on. I don't. It doesn't mean that we cow down to everything that's going on. That's not the message either. But at the same time, we don't want to make that as a blanket excuse to say, yeah, but I'm going to do whatever I want because the situation is bad in, in Washington or in Nashville or in wherever. And so that's the danger, and I just wanted to point that out going into lesson. Now, having said those things, let's look at Romans chapter 13, and we'll read the first ten verses, or the first seven verses, I apologize, and my goal is to get through the entire chapter. My suspicion is that by the time I make my comments and we, we all have our say and our questions, that we won't get past the first seven verses because that's the part that deals with taxes and government. I could be wrong, but we'll see how it goes. And as always, I'll welcome the conversation. So Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Let every soul be subject to to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good, but if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this you should also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom ta taxes are due, and customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Now, we do well to remind ourselves that chapter 13 comes right on the heels of chapter 12, obviously. And in chapter 12, Paul began to speak to us about how to behave as Christians, how to treat one another. And one of the things that he led with in that chapter was 
to think soberly. Now, he didn't write chapter 12, and Paul didn't put a yeah, but in there also. He, no, this comes right on the heels of it. And so our behavior here in 13 is still to be based upon our thinking soberly and correctly that he wrote about in chapter 12. And as hard as this pill may be to swallow at times, um, it's still Bible. It, it's still what we are bound by, what we are subject to. And I guess I'll say right off the bat too, for me, the key here is our motive. It, it, and I think the latter part of chapter 13 also bears that out when we, if we make it to the final portion, the final few verses. Our motives about doing these things. Is it always easy to say we should obey our government? A resounding no. It's okay to answer. I won't be mad at you. And you don't have to agree with everything I say. That's okay. Especially this morning. We're going to have some different opinions over some things that we're going to talk about. Uh, some of our opinions may be closed, but there, there's going to be some variance of opinion. But what I want us to do is to always base our opinions upon Bible. You don't need to base your opinion upon my opinion. You need to base your opinion upon what the Word of God says. And so your motive needs to be that. And your motive needs to be that I'm going to obey Romans chapter 13 because I believe that the Bible is my authority. And I believe that I should do things that are pleasing to God. And if you start with that motive, and if you start in that direction, well, then we'll also apply the verse that says love forgives a multitude of sin. And we'll, we'll allow ourselves to have some differences and have some conversation. I, you know what? I hate policies, and I understand why they're in place sometimes, but I have a policy where I work that we're not supposed to discuss government and politics and religion. And as a result, we end up talking about foolish things like video games and football and everything else. It's very foolish. It's a foolish pastime. It's okay to have some foolish pastime. I talk about fishing, uh, cigars, and other stupid stuff. And what we should be talking about is government, politics, and the Bible. Even if it comes to arguments. I mean, some, some, some of those arguments are good. So I'm not, again, I'm not trying to conform anybody to my way of thinking politically. I, I would not abuse this platform in that way. My goal is for us to think biblically. And to do that, we have to take an honest consideration of what Paul is saying here in chapter 13, what he's writing to the church at Rome about politics and taxes and government and their authority. And did you note how he began it in, chapter, in verses 1 and 2? Let's read those again, verses 1 and 2. Pay strict attention to this because this is the basis for everything he says about government. Verse 1, again, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. Folks, that's heavy. That's huge. Especially given our political climate in Washington, D.C. right now. And I'll be right, 
I'll just be honest with you. I think the election was stolen. You don't have to agree with that, by the way. You don't have to agree with that. But based on what I've seen, I think it was outright stolen. But who's in authority right now? Who's, our, who's, our, who's sitting in the presidential chair in authority right now? Biden. Joe Biden. Who ordained that authority? God. There you go. Romans chapter 13. Do I like that? Do I, do I agree with how it happened? No. But Paul says, I'm not to be a rabble-rouser. I'm not, I'm not to be. Now, I know we're going, to get us, I'm, we're going to get to the gray area. I promise you, I'm going to get to the gray area. But I'm not going to skip over this idea of, yeah, but, because of what I think about the election, or because of I'm a Republican, or because I'm a Democrat, or because I'm a Libertarian, or whatever, yeah, but you want to apply. If you're a Christian... That does not supersede what, wrong, what uh, Paul writes here in Romans chapter 13 for you. And again, why? Because of our motive. Our motive is to understand that we may be American citizens, but we're citizens of a higher country. Amen. We're, we're citizens of heaven. And we are to honor God. And our chief goal is to honor God and to win others to Christ. And, and so our motive needs to begin and end there, regardless of Washington, D.C., regardless of Nashville, regardless of whatever governing authority you want to talk about. And so we're not going to gloss over the fact that Paul says, whoever's in authority, God put them there. And if you resist that, that doesn't mean you don't have an opinion. It doesn't mean you doesn't. You absolutely, you should vote. You're an American citizen. You have that right. You should exercise that right. But there are limits to that. So he says, submit to government. Government has a dual responsibility to both God and man. So it goes both ways. Not only are we to be subject, but those who are in authority should be subject to God. Whether they know it or not, whether they believe it or not, those in authority, if God ordains the authority, who's the authority subject to? Us. God. To God first. Now, yeah, no, that's, that's fine because in, in our system of government, in our Constitution, they absolutely, they're supposed to be subject to the people. That's exactly right. But biblically, if God ordains the authority, the authority is subject to God. What if they don't believe in God? Are they still subject to him? A resounding yes. That's right. Is the Bible true whether you believe it or not? Yes, yes it is. So in that same manner, in that same way of thinking, uh, they are subject, whether they know it or not, whether they believe it or not, to God. So they have a responsibility, a two-way responsibility, both to God and to man. Government is always, always ordained by God's authority. We read it twice already. There's no authority except from God, and God ordains the government authority. So whatever authority they have comes from God, okay? If they abuse that authority, it still comes from God. By the way, side note, why does God allow bad or corrupt leaders? And we'll keep this to America. Why does he allow it in America? Teaching a lesson. Or teaching somebody or using right. to teach lessons. What instrument does God use to allow those people get into authority? These people. The vote. 
people's choice. That's right. That's exactly right. And there's enough of us, if, if enough people stand up for righteousness, we'll have righteous leaders. Amen. If enough people do not stand up for righteousness, we won't have righteousness. And that, by the way, that's not going to happen once every four years. That's a lifelong thing. The church had better be about its business if we want to get back to righteousness. Day in and day out, not just on election years. And so, absolutely, God will allow us to have the, the, these bad things. And we say this not just in America. That's true worldwide. We saw it in Israel's history. They went through times of plenty and blessing and good as they followed God. And again and again, they would turn from God and you would read the decline. And they would go down and, they, and they, then they'd be uh, captured by the Babylonians or the Assyrians or whomever. And then they would be delivered back out when they repented. And they would go through a time of good and blessing. And then they would, they would get spoiled and they would downturn again. And back and forth and back and forth. And that's over thousands of years. America's only, you know, how many years old? 200 and, 200. yeah, a little over 200 years old. That's, that's a very, we're a very young, young nation. And, and so government authority is always ordained by God. Now, what are the biblical limits to obeying bad government? Now, understand this. Romans chapter 13 is not the 11th commandment. So are there times when we can disobey government? Yes, there are. So what are those times and when, how does that work? We're not going to turn to the passages because I, I trust that you're familiar with them. We'll, we'll, you can go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 5. We'll look at that one. But my mind went to Daniel, the book of Daniel. So in the book of Daniel, we have the story of Daniel and uh, Rashak, Meshach, and Abednego, right? And so they are living where? Anybody remember? Babylon, Babylon, right? So they're captured and then they're, they're taken away. So they're taken away. They're prisoners. And they, in chapters 1, 3, and 6, we see a righteous, uh, I won't call it a, a revolt necessarily, but a standing up to government authority. Because government authority tell, told them to do things that were contrary to their obedience to God. And this Christian is where we definitely draw the line. And so in chapter 1, they're told to eat things that they, as, uh, as Israelites, should not eat. There were dietary laws that they were to follow. And they, and, they, and they did it the right way. They came to them and said, hey, put us to the test and let us, let us eat the things that we're supposed to eat. And in, I think it was 30 days or whatever it was, then we'll have a test and we'll see who's doing better. And God blessed them. And so they were allowed to follow their dietary laws and all that. Then they were promoted within the government. Now they're still slaves. They're still in captivity. So doing right by doing something right, God didn't automatically say, okay, well now you're free. And you, no, they're still captive and they're still slaves. And they face challenges again in uh, chapter 3. Rashak, Meshach, and Abednego are told to bow down to an idol. You remember this story. This is the fiery furnace. And they're to bow down in there to pray to this graven image. They know they're not supposed to do that. That is contra a direct contradiction to what God says to do. And they say, no, we won't do this. And we may burn. God can deliver us, but he may not deliver us. But we're not going to do it because the word of God says, no, we can't do that. 
And so they say no, and sure enough, they go to the fiery furnace, and they're delivered out of it. In chapter 6, an ordinance is written that no one should pray except to the king. By the way, do you notice that? Twice, prayer is attacked. That's, a, that's, a, that's what, something that Satan likes to attack. And Daniel, as his habit was, now bear in mind, Daniel already prayed three times a day. They knew that. It's not that they wrote a law and Daniel says, well, well I'll start praying three times a day. I'll show them. No, he was already right with God. Uh, and, and he continued in what was right with God because he should be praying to God and God alone. And because of that, he's thrown in the lion's den. And of course, he's delivered there. So again, we see here that uh, if, when government writes laws that are a direct contradiction to what God has said to do, then we have the right, and not just the right, but the responsibility to stand up to those laws and accept whatever comes our way. Uh, Acts chapter 5, verses 22 through 29. We'll look at those briefly uh, and give this a New Testament context. Acts chapter 5, verse 22. But when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported, saying, Indeed, we found the prison shut securely and the guards standing outside before the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now the high priest, the captain of the temple, and the chief priest heard these things. They wondered what the outcome would be. So they came and told them, saying, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should be stoned. And then they had brought them, they said, they sent them, set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to be God rather than men. So here's the backstory: The apostles are preaching and teaching the blood of Christ and how all are sinners and, 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 and need to be saved. And the Jewish leaders hated it. They had them locked up. They didn't stay locked up. God delivered them and they start preaching and teaching again. And the government says, we told you not to do this. Why are you doing it? By the way, why would they ask that question? if the apostles weren't obedient in other areas. If the apostles were rabble-rousers and disobeying government on every turn, they wouldn't have even asked the question. They said, well, y'all don't obey anything. So we're just going to put you... No, they said, why don't you do this? And Peter says, because we are subject to God more than we're subject to you. That's what it means when it says we ought to be God rather than man. So Christian... You are to respect and obey the government authority. It comes from God. The line that's drawn in the sand, when government tells you to do things that are contradiction, that, that inhibit you from obeying God directly, especially in matters of the gospel, then you are to dis disobey. You're not to make a spectacle of it. You're not to make a show of it. But you're to be faithful to God before government. Now, the gray area, the area you're all chomping at the bit for me to get to. <laughs> How was our nation founded? We were a 
Rebel Rouser. We call it the Revolution. Rebel Rouser. <laughs> arr, 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 arr. Boston Tea Party, all that good stuff. There's a difference. First of all, it was not individuals. Uh, second of all, when it's studied out, you'll understand that there was government authority here, unsubject to the crown. And the crown, England, fell short continually of their responsibility as government. Petitions were made, trips were made, letters were written over a series of years and a time span begging the crown to, to give us representation for the taxes. And, the, and what happened is the taxes kept increasing to fund the wars over in France and other parts of the world. They were taking from America because it was very, very prosperous. And the representation went in the other direction. And after years of petition and trial and error and, and trying to get response, nothing happened. And so the governing authority here succeeded, for lack of a better word. The, the, the Declaration of Independence was written. And by the way, not everybody here was on board with that. There were many that were loyalists. And so again, it was not a, a spirited group of individuals that were just shaking their fist at government. No, it was a forming of a new and better government. And so there was an authority then that was ordained here. And so the, there, again, there's a difference. A lot of people make this argument about American and, and trying to reconcile Romans chapter 13 when they read it, that's their yeah but argument for Romans chapter 13. And that, that really doesn't hold water. So there, there is a time and a place and a way for us to cast off government when it's wrong. Now, again, it's not for the individual. And here there is the gray area. What are some things that our government does with your tax dollars that you don't believe in and don't support as a Christian? Abortion. That's the first one that comes to my mind is abortion. And I pay, and I had a guy swear up and down that the church was wrong for paying taxes. He had not paid taxes in a year. He's probably in prison today. I hadn't seen him, I hadn't seen him forever. And he says, shouldn't pay taxes because they're funding abortion. And there's some other things that they find. We all, we said, probably sit around here and name things. Is that a gray area? I, I don't know. I guess it is a gray area, but I can tell you this. Romans 13 was written, and Paul said you should pay taxes. Who was in authority when Paul wrote that to the church in Rome? Anybody know? Who was it? Nero. Nero, you're exactly right. It was Emperor Nero. You know how Nero got in power? Killing people. Well, his mama did. His mama assassinated the, the one that was in authority and made a way for her little boy. She married into it and then killed him so that Nero would be next in line. And then, lo and behold, later on, Nero had her murdered. And Nero started out doing some good things and then... The power and the money got to his head, and then he became the Nero that we talk about, the one who allegedly uh, played his, his uh, it wasn't a violin, it was some, some other instrument while Rome burned, or some say he sang. 
that burned the one that burned Christians in the street, used Christians as street lamps, the one who sent Christians to the Colosseum to be eaten by lions, that guy. And that's the one that wrong that Paul said we should pay taxes to because taxes were due to government. At the same time, Nero was not the only one in authority, was he? So there was a whole system of government in Rome. And so were there some good things that came out of Roman government? Absolutely there were. See? The same is true for us today, is it? There's some awful and horrible and wicked things that our government does with your tax dollars. <coughs> the ones that they don't stuff in their own pockets. Which also happens. But Paul says that's not for you to decide. You're to, you are subject to the authority and you're to pay taxes. And folks, I don't like that any better than you do. But if I read Romans chapter 13, and again, what's important? My motive. I can, I can spend the rest of my life shaking my fist at Washington. Is that going to win one soul to Christ? The answer is no. I can pay my taxes and trust that God's going to take care of me and support me. And, and you know, I can pay my tithe and my taxes. And, and some of you, that's hard. Some of you in a financial state where that you don't see how you're going to make it. But folks, you can trust God. You can trust God and be obedient and look to Him and He will provide. And, and, and leave all this argument and everything else. Again, start with your motive to honor and to obey God because He wrote it in His Word. So we're obligated to pay taxes. Oh, that's in verse 7. Look at verse 4 now. Another uh, part of uh, government authority is the punishment of evildoers. Evildoers. Verse 4, for he is God's minister for you, for good. I'm sorry, for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. Folks, what's the purpose of a sword? What do you do with a sword? You kill people. Thank you. That's the, that's the right answer. You don't squat them on the hand. You, you don't shake it out. It, it's an instrument of death. And a lot of people have a lot of problems with this. But for me, as I read this, this tells me that government has the authority for capital punishment. Again, remember how we started. Who, who, is, who are these authorities subject to? Both God and man. So they're responsible to God to hold this responsibility and to punish evildoers correctly and righteously. And they're going to have to answer for that. Folks, we ought to be praying for our judges. We ought to be praying for our policemen. And we ought to be praying for those in authority, our lawmakers. Because all of that is a part of this punishment of evildoers. And it's a, it's a massive responsibility. But yet it is God-ordained. If Romans 13 is in the Bible, and if the Bible is right, then it's God-ordained. So, again, these things Paul puts right on the line. And let's not forget how we started. Chapter 12 starts this, this, um, this train of thought of being living sacrifices. 
of serving God with our spiritual gifts, uh, of behaving like a Christian should behave. And part of that is being subject to this government authority that he ordains. Man, y'all are quiet. Are you angry at me? I'm not changing. I was just wondering. (laughs) (laughs) Folks, this lays it on the line for us and tells us that we're subject to government authority, and government authority is subject to God whether we like it or not. And those gray areas, how do we deal with those? Again, what's your motive? Why are you doing the things that you're doing? Are you, are you going to write to Washington and tell them the things you don't like? Are you going to, are you going to hold a rally? Are you going to do these things? Okay, fine. Why? What's your motive? Are you doing this because you're going to honor God in it? You may be. I'm not telling you not to do it. I'm telling you, this is the gray area. The things that you're going to choose to dedicate your time and your efforts and your money and your testimony to should be motivated first and foremost by how does this reflect upon God and his kingdom? How does the lost and dying world see me when I go to this rally? Or when I stand up against the abortion clinic? Or or when I do what I do? And, and folks, if you'll start with that motive, biblically, biblically, I can't say the word, too much coffee. If you'll start with the biblical motive instead of the yeah, but motive, that's what matters. In, in the gray area, we'll, we'll choose to debate and love one another in. You don't have the right to hate a Christian, a, a fellow believer in Christ. And by the way, that's the, that's the focus here. This is, this is how we as Christians live together as a community. This whole train of thought beginning in chapter 12. It is not so much as how we treat the world, it's how we should treat each other. And there's, there's, a, there's one guy that comes to my mind who I love as a dear, dear brother in Christ. In this church, and you'd all know him if I gave his name, and politically, we are diametrically opposed. And as far as I know, neither one of us is changing. <laughs> I know I'm not. I think he's wrong. I think he's dead wrong on some political views. And I love him as a dear brother in Christ. And we're a blessing to one another. Why? Because this is more important than that. Amen. Bible, not yeah, but. So when you, when you have these political discussions, and I want you to have them, and when you, when you have, come from the motive of what does the Bible say? What honors God? If you'll start there and finish there, you end in a good place. Well, as I predicted, I've talked way too long to get to the rest of the chapter. <laughs> so when we come back next week, we'll deal with love your neighbor, and put on Christ. That'll be a much nicer lesson than than this week's. I love y'all. Get out of here.